It wasn't pretty. This 2023 Seahawks team is not about the style points. But at the end of the day, the Seahawks offense was able to climb their way up the football field for a final drive. Jason Myers was able to pump through his fifth field goal of the day with time expiring. And your Hawks came away with a 29-26 victory over the Washington Commanders. This was a tough fought game and there is going to be those that feel like the Hawks should have come out of this with much more of a bigger win as you of course have this commanders team coming into this game down the two edges that they traded at the trade deadline they also lost in this game Emmanuel Forbes to an ejection early on on a helmet to helmet hit but nonetheless the Hawks were able to get the win on this one climbed to six and three on the season in a basic tie with the Niners at the top of the division and there's a lot to unpack in this particular football game almost equal parts good and bad First, let's start with the offense. Geno Smith goes out in this game, throws through 369, gets a game-winning drive, and yet I can't help but think that those that came into this contest feeling anti-Geno are still going to feel anti-Geno, and those feeling pro-Geno are going to feel pro-Geno. I think it's a testament about where the expectation level is for him, that he throws for 369 and a game-winning drive, yet those camps still stay firmly rooted where they are, but that's just where we are with this current quarterback quasi-controversy, I guess I will go ahead and call it. It's understandable, though, to my degree on both camps, as I've always said. I'm not trying to straddle the line on this one, just that I can hear both arguments coming out of this game. Through the first couple of quarters of this contest, Geno Smith was not consistent and not finding himself and making weird decisions and poor decisions. And unlike the past couple of weeks, where you could say the pass protection wasn't holding up, you weren't able to run the ball very effectively, Shane Waldron's play calling was absent and missing and helping out Geno. All three of those factors were basically working in his favor in this game, and yet Geno, for a large part of this game, looked a little bit in over his head, and the decision-making just looked strange. The accuracy looked off at times in places, where he continues in moments with DK where he's making throws that he doesn't even give DK a chance, and you're left scratching your head not understanding why it's so hard to get the ball accurately targeted into DK. He had some other errant throws in there, but he had some other really good throws in addition to this. When he was able to get locked in and hit that back foot and be efficient in, in his decision-making, he hit his throws. Uh, it was just a bit of the up and down in the mixed bag. You had the first couple of quarters, and then you had kind of the back quarter and a half of this game where he really was able to turn it on, really was able to find his footing. But I think it is harder to necessarily give Geno the benefit of the doubt on those first two and a half quarters where he really looks like he's going to be on, on the road to a poor day when he has all of those other things kind of working in his favor and he is going up against a Washington defense that's not exactly set and constructed to be the toughest defense he's going to face this upcoming season. That's where I say that the, the people that are anti-Geno, that's some valid points to point out to and how he played at the end of the half. He's in a position on a, on a third down where they don't have any timeouts. There's about nine seconds to go on the clock. He's got to go through one read, two read, and then throw the ball away. He can't dance around in the pocket back there and try to extend the play. Instead, that's what he does. He ends up getting an intentional grounding because he holds on to the ball so long. You got three points taken off the board in that moment. Those are one of those moments where Geno, in decision-making, and his control, his composure, his poise, it starts to get a little bit rattled and a little afraid at times when it really shouldn't. You go into that play knowing what you're intending to do, and you do it. And instead, he looked like he was trying to kind of make it up on the fly. Shane Waldron had a really good called game plan. I was calling for more outside runs, calling for more pre- and post-snap motion. I don't know if the pre-snap motion was as much dialed up in this game, but a lot more of the post-snap motion, a lot more of the play action with Geno under center and him rolling out to the side with the post 
uh, motion action after that going across the field and kind of giving Geno some times in this game from Waldron standpoint where you're giving him those easy completions that you weren't giving him in some of these recent games and some of these recent Geno struggles. I like the mixture from Shane Waldron in this game between the run and the pass. You didn't get it anywhere close to a vicinity of 50-50, but you got it a little bit more closer to where it needed to be and you kept going to the run in this game even when it wasn't necessarily working, which has been another thing that many of us fans have been calling for. If you can just stay with it, stay committed to it, you will get the returns over the course of a game. It's when you're just simply running it again and then bailing off it through the second half of the game where there are none of those returns to be had. It was also a really nice mixture in this game between the two backs. We got a lot more of that thunder and lightning in this game where Kenneth Walker, 19 carries, 63 yards, only a 3.3 yard per carry average, but there weren't a lot of holes to be had there. He was able to make his presence felt, though, in the past game with one catch for 64 yards where he catches it in the flat. It's one of those moments where Geno makes a good decision, rolling out, not panicking, keeping his eyes up the field. Take the easy completion when it's there like he did, and then let your man work his way up the football field. Let him work in that yak. And that's what Walker did. He was able to get through some tacklers, house it on that play, a play you really did need it in that moment because the offense just was really struggling to find its footing, really still continuing to struggle to really find points once they get onto the opponent's side of the football field. Walker played a really solid game. One holes necessarily for them him to run through, but he did with what he could. And then you had Charbonnet getting mixed in in a really nice way. Six carries, 44 yards, 7.3 yard per carry average for Charbonnet. Four catches, 18 yards as well on this. He ran really strong. He showed off his vision and bounce in the hole where he can see it here. Defender's here. He bounces out of the way of the defender and pairs that bounce with the vision. And then he's running downhill. And then he's a tough physical downhill runner. And he finishes runs. This guy just wants to run over your faceplate every time. Even at the end of this game, he caught a ball in the flat, was needing to get out of bounds. And instead he's like, I'm going Zach Diesel mode. It's Charbizard time. I'm just going to light this guy up. You love to see him willing to put the physicality into play and willing to punish these tacklers when they try to do so. But of course, in that moment, you go, just get out of bounds, kid. Dude, just get out of bounds. Still, Good mixture of run and the consistency of it from Waldron. Good mix of the two backs where you're not leaning on Walker saying, here's 26 carries in this game. You shouldn't have to do this. Part of this is a load balance thing. Part of this is how it's then harder than for defenses with that kind of thunder and lightning. You get a Walker who's going to dance, who's going to bounce, bounce to the outside. That maybe gets the defensive line in kind of a read and react mode. Then when you get a downhill runner like Charbonnet, he looks like he's almost twice as fast in some of his decisiveness as a runner on that other side of it. It's where that mixture can work really, really, really nice. They were trying to get the tight ends fitted into a little bit more in this game. Sometimes they had pre-plays drawn up where Washington just a good, did a good job of uh, snuffing out the plays and not allowing it to be targetable. It did seem like they tried to work a little bit more into Fant, a little bit more into Disley and Parkinson. There just wasn't always a lot there, but at least up from targets from last week where all of them, I think, only had one target throughout the whole course of the game here. A little bit more, um, a little bit better of a step in that right direction. Really liked what Waldron did in this game. He called a really excellent game. In fact, this might have been his best called game all season overall from way, where he brought it from. The offensive line held up really well as well. The it seemed like the only times that Washington was ever able to really get any kind of pressure out there was in those moments when they were dialing up those heavy pressure looks. Six, seven-man fronts. You, you show them seven, you bring six. Uh, you show six, you bring five. Sometimes you'll bring it to six. You just keep mixing it up. What we saw from the commanders in this game was them 
tearing a page out of the Ravens playbook last week with those stack fronts with Geno and the crew and to see how they could accommodate to that. Seahawks did a much better job overall of handling it, though Geno still needs to do a better job of recognizing when the blitz is coming and when it isn't. He gets too often surprised where it looks pretty obvious when the blitz is coming and he doesn't kind of react to it well enough in his pre-snap understanding of what he's seeing and it leads to then post-snap confusion and erratic play as he just suddenly now looks like he's just trying to sprint his way to get away and try to escape it to where he can then throw it away or something. It's just kind of then, then a dead play at that point. But uh, the commanders did a good job in those stack fronts. That's the only way they were able to really get pressure. The front did a good job of holding up against especially two tough challenges in LaRon Payne and Jonathan Allen, the two highly paid, highly drafted defensive tackles for the commanders. Pass catching wise, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf continue to be metronomes and what they bring to the table. 15 catches between the two of these guys, nearly 200 yards receiving in this game. Most of it was Lockett as a security blanket for Geno Smith, but then DK started to get worked a little bit better in as the game went along, and especially on that final drive where DK just beasted up and said, okay, I'm going to go make some plays out here. He was you, you had one final catch at the end of this game where he catches it over the middle, and then he's just fighting through all the tackles. You can just feel him in that moment where he wants to, wants to be the hero. He wants to get down there and just get the touchdown, get the score, seal it up. But he's still got an extra 10 yards on that catch after it, making it a much easier kick for Jason Myers to put that through at the end of the game. Um, and shout out to DK for coming along there as the game went along. He had some relatively tough catches where there's moments where Geno's throwing it in on a, a fastball and he's got to catch it up here out away from his body a little bit. Good to see G DK on the hands with that. There were some moments in this game where I don't think Geno gave him as much a chance. There's a nine route early on where I think the defender has a little bit of a PI on it and it doesn't get called. It's not a great throw by Geno in that moment to give DK a chance out in front, which we call for. Get him a, a chance out front to really make the play. Um, and then he threw behind him on another throw in this game. But when he did throw it, when it was a catchable pass to DK, he made his catches. Tyler continues to be just so consistent, even at his age. He gets open, a really good route runner, a really good high-level understanding of route running, a route running mastery, if you were. I mean, the guy's got a PhD in his understanding, and they showed some of the all-22 shots and some of the routes he runs. And it's not always conventional, but he does get open. On the defensive side of the ball, it was much like the offense. You can find your ups and you can find your downs in this, this game. You start out off the jump. Jamal Adams is going to get into the backfield on a blitz. Perfectly called blitz. Free rusher. He's coming up through basically that B gap, I believe, in there. It's the B or the C gap. He's got a direct B line there for the quarterback and Sam Howell. Sam Howell knows he's dead to rights. Sam's just kind of standing there going, okay, I'm about to get sacked. He sits down, just kind of roots down there. And Jamal just slides off with a single arm. I believe Jamal called it a layup sack that he missed on that. And it is that. There's no excuse to miss that sack in that moment. This is what your brain brought in for. It was a little bit of a reminder to me of like the Giants game. Where in that game, first game back for Jamal, he's got Daniel Jones on a rollout. Again, right in his sights, ready to be tackled. And he just sort of shakes out of his tackle. Uh, this also goes back to last year, even the play he was injured on against Russell Wilson. Where he's blitzing up the middle and Russell just shakes him off. We bring in the blitz. You got to bring those guys to the ground. That's one of the big, big parts of your game you bring to the table that we want to utilize. Part of utilizing it is that you've got to then make the sack when you're back there. It's one thing if the quarterback maybe gave him some sick juke like a Lamar Jackson, but Hal just kind of stood there and looked at him, and he just flew right past. So a uh, tough moment there because then Hal broke the pocket, found a running back out in the flat, Brian Robinson, hit him for that, and it was a touchdown up the field. A huge play to start things out for Washington Commanders. Robinson and Gibson 
were the one, two best receivers for the commanders in this game, which both speaks to how much of a struggle it was for the Hawks in defending the backs in this game, but also for how well the corners defended out the outside receivers. I think the Hawks did a fantastic job on Terry McLaurin. Both Tariq Woolen, Trey Brown, and Devin Witherspoon, who all got their chances, did a really good job on him. He was able to get four catches for 33 yards, but that's on eight targets. And it seemed like they were very sticky on coverage against him throughout the course of the day. They eliminated the receivers wholesale in this one. Now, you did let the running backs flourish. Brian Robinson, six catches, 119 yards. Antonio Gibson had five catches for 42 yards. Both of those guys also had a touchdown each. So they were able to be very impactful in that. In fact, Robinson had another play later on in the game where it was much like the first play, where it's just a broken coverage. You've got Draymond Jones out there trying to cover him in the flat. I don't know how we end up in a in a situation where one of our defensive linemen is covering a running back out in the flat up the football field, but that's just what happened, and he was able to really you know, break that through. Outside of those two Robinson catches throughout most of this game, the defense had the Washington offense under control and maintained. They really quickly early on in this game turned them into a one-dimensional attack. Technically, Washington averages 4.9 yards per carry, but they had a couple of those that were just runs they, they had at the end of the game a bit. They only were able to run the ball 14 times. They were really locked into the mode of passing I think the Hawks did to the offense what they ideally want to do to offenses, which is get him bailing off the run quick, get him to the passing attack, turn him into a one-dimensional attack, and something good at some point will happen via an interception. They had a couple of picks in their hands in this game. Devin Witherspoon, who continues to, in my opinion, cement himself as the defensive rookie of the year. You can miss me with the Jalen Carter talk at this point. This guy, again, came out, showed that he's a really good tackler. Sam Howell trying to get a first down and extend the play keeps going. Witherspoon comes in there and rips the ball free. A big fumble in that moment, a momentum changer, as that's right around the midfield mark. If you don't do that there in that moment, they've got a first down to the commanders. They're rolling. You get the ball back to your offense on a short field. A huge play for the Rook, but it seems like every single week I'm saying there's some huge play he's making out there while also being consistent throughout the course of the game because he was jumping routes and he was sticky as two-day-old chewed gum on these receivers. I mean, right in their back pocket and their front pocket end up in their collar. Three passes defense today. Could have had another pick that was right in his hands. He's going to need to work on those hands, I think, in the offseason because he's already, I think, would have had like three or four picks at this point if he uh, if he had a little bit more reasonable hands. But he did jump, jump the route. He did show off all of the coverage skills, all the tackling skills, all of the physicality that we've seen up until this point. The only thing you're missing in this game from him was the blitz element of things. But he was absolutely outstanding. Tariq Woolen might have played one of his more solid games of the year. It wouldn't be surprising to me if this was his best graded game by PFF when it's all said and done. I thought that uh, he was really good on the field and he was all over the place in coverage. I think they give up a, a you know a completion here or there within, but overall he was in the right place at the right time and he didn't give up any big plays over the top. Feel really good about what both of these two corners are bringing. Same thing with Trey Brown. He had a couple of plays that he might have given up, nothing that was too big. Nothing that was a huge spot over the top, just a couple of short completions. And he was also very tight. And even when he gave up a completion in Trey Brown, his hand was always just an inch away from making the play. He continues to have a really underrated season. It's a little bit below beneath the radar lost because of how good Witherspoon is and our eyes on you know Tariq Woolen and his development. But Trey Brown continues to play really good football. Up front, love what I saw from this front seven for the most part in this game with a couple of a couple of notes of certain guys. Uh, first off, Boye Mafe is a monster. Uh, just an absolute monster. Another sack, seven straight games with a sack from Boye Mafe while he continues to be absolutely awesome against the run. Five tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass defensed, 
filling up that stat column, but also feeling the effect on the football field. He had some other pressures in this game in addition to that. We have a, a star on the rise off the edge here in Boye Mafe now. It's getting solidified, and he's going to be so much of an important part of the cornerstone of this defensive future as we do move on into the future. I don't know if we got a whole hell of a lot from neither Daler Taylor or Frank Clark in this game. Both of them were on the field at varying moments, but I don't know if either really brought a whole lot of impact from their side of things. Derek Hall took some steps forward. He had a pressure. He made a play in the run game uh, here and there, so he's looking a little bit more improved as well. Jaron Reed continues to be good against the run, showing up in a couple times in this game with penetration in the backfield, uh, chasing down plays on an outside zone runs, showing off that hustle. Draymond Jones, who got a uh, sack in this game, or I guess a half a sack in this game on a combo sack, seemed like he had one of his better games of the year. He was really active in the run game early on, and then even later on as a pass rusher. So he was uh, good in this game, and I think pretty consistent throughout all of the course of this game, just to my eyes on it. Jordan Brooks had a mixed affair, in my opinion. Jordan had uh, some missed tackles. They were both with him and Jamal Adams. They get a little bit too reliant at times on the shoulder tackle rather than wrapping up. And tackling remains an issue here for this defense as there are times where it feels like the offensive players are, are coated in Vaseline the way you slip off of their, they, their grip. And I, I don't really get why, but it's probably just a hard thing to train. It's probably just going to be maybe an apparent part of this defense as we go forward. But it does help, at least when you wrap up. And when you're shoulder tackling, it's very easy to see why the guy is able to break that tackle. And uh, especially if it's a weak shoulder tackle, which one of Jordan Brooks' tackling attempts was absolutely that. He might have had one of his worst games of the year, did Jordan, in this game. He also got lit up in coverage a little bit as the commanders really did decide to go after him and see what he could do in holding up over there. And um, he had a couple of bad moments. Bobby Wagner had a good game, though. Ten tackles, half a sack, two passes defensed. Another quarterback hit. He had the touchdown that he gave up to Antonio Gibson in the back of the end zone. But aside from that, he was on it. And what stood out to me with Bobby is that we all know the impact he's bringing as a run defender. He's one of the highest rated run defenders by PFF in the sport. But he, what he's also bringing is workable coverage from the middle linebacker position. He is light years beyond what you got from Cody Barton or Jordan Brooks in coverage from the middle linebacker position last year. He's made he made a couple breakups in this game that were legitimate breakups. Were him driving on the ball and at times driving on the ball on a receiver that was coming in the middle of the field not a running back not a tight end but an actual wide receiver great to see bobby making these kind of plays okay you got the occasional play might give up and you see a little bit of the lack of speed on that gibson play and and lack of um you know maybe diminished athleticism in his age but there's still so much more good that he brings so much very much great that he brings at times especially in the run stuffage area of things that he's been a really fine addition for this defense and one of the most important parts. Yeah, you maybe say Witherspoon's been the biggest addition, but Wagner's been right there in his helping hand that he's provided, saying nothing of the leadership off the field stuff that he's helping to bring along in that area. But uh, really happy by the performance we're seeing of Bobby. He's absolutely having a Pro Bowl year and might be even having a All-Pro year. We're just going to have to wait to see where that stands. Two guys I want to talk about that we're going to have to kind of have a lot of discussion on with this. I'm sure it's going to be one that will light up the, the post-game discussion of Hawk fans quite a bit is the, the value of safety and what these safeties are meaning to this field. I don't think that Quandre Diggs played a bad game. A couple tackles. He is in center field so very often trying to take away deep throws and eliminating that part that's hard to always feel or understand his impact on the field because he could be just taking away a quarterback's read deep. And you're not really as understanding of the fact of what he's done on that play. I know there was times where Hal was looking deep off of play action. You could see his chin up, looking deep down the field, trying to look for that deep attack. And then he'd have to come back underneath because that was taken away. I'm going to uh, hope that, that some of that is going to be on Quandre. But when you are putting 
$50 million into the secondary safety position between Julian Love, Quandry Diggs, and uh, Jamal Adams. You do wonder at times with it where necessarily all of that impact comes into play. Now, Jamal's trying to round back into shape. I can't blame him for you know trying to kind of find his footing a little bit. But you are, I think, missing a little bit of the impact for the money being spent into this position. And it's one item that is kind of worth monitoring as we go through the season. Shout out to the special teams. I often target it as being an important third spoke to the Seahawk wheel. And they showed that again, again today. It seems like every single week I say that they do. And they did so again today. Michael Dixon punted, okay, four punts, 181 yards, 45 average. Pretty solid today. One inside the 20-yard line. I think like the 19-yard line. But it was Jason Myers today. Five of five. Two extra points made as well. Couldn't miss any of those seven attempts on the day. Made every single one of them. It feel like he had one of these games too a couple weeks ago that was along these lines as well. Jason Myers absolutely showing you why they spent the $5 million. I was worried we were going to be having a down year from him this year as soon as it started out. Especially understanding his career trajectory, which is... One great year, one bad year, one great year, one bad year, but maybe he's finally find the footing of consistency and Meyer's able to knock that final kick home, which was, was fantastic to see. This is not going to be a game that is going to sell anybody one way or the other as a Hawk fan. You came into this game with the thought of this team and where you saw them and, and what you thought they were. You may be of the highest of heights saying, hey, they're just a couple of inches away from getting themselves to being, getting right to get to contender state or ah, we're way more than a year away. You know, you can be in those different two camps. I think you still find yourself resolutely in either of those camp, whatever you were walking into this game. This applies to with Geno Smith and the outlook of him, as there are some that are calling for Drew, Drew Locke. I've been a big benefactor, Geno. I'm going to remain so. As I said, I think it talks about the standard of the position and what we're, what we're expecting from the position where there will be still those calls of Geno not good enough coming on the heels of you throwing for 30, 370 yards, two touchdowns, 103 rating, uh, a fourth quarter comeback to get the win, your third one of the season. But indeed, there will still be those calls coming out the end of this game. I've got to acknowledge that. And I do understand that first couple of quarters, it was really rough going. And Geno's play within it was tough to excuse. I've been a guy to give explanations for why other things go wrong with him when, when he's not playing well. But this is not a day that I would do that. There's got to be some shouldering of the burden on his part. But at the end of the day, the great part was that he was able to right the ship, get himself in the right direction, and pull this team to a victory with the help of his teammates. It wasn't a pretty win. It wasn't a stylistic win. It wasn't a hallmark win. It wasn't an exclamation point win that tells the rest of the nation that we are now truly a contender. But it was a win that got you to six and three. It was a win that puts you at the top of this division. It was a win that still allows this whole season to be set for in front of us and for us to decide our fate. Not relying on anything else, but for us to go out there and kick butt every week as, be, as well as they can, as well as this young team can go out there and do so at a consistent basis. It's going to be fun to see how this plays out. And if this team can come together in that fashion that fast, they are on the precipice, in my opinion. I'm not saying we are a contender. I'm saying things can come together where if you can get the defense and offense both, for the love of God, playing good at the same time, or at least playing consistent at the same time, you will then see the best version of this team. My name is Brandon Kane. This is the Hawk's Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. But beyond all that, don't you ever forget, go Hawks.